most of us did not go into business because we loved running a business. We went into a business because we were passionate about something. You were passionate about marketing. I was passionate about initially helping law firms and running the business part is like kind of that thing that you're like, oh shit, I gotta do that. Welcome to You Are Buzzworthy. How many times do I have to say that I am obsessed with running profitable business? Well, no matter how many times you think you need to hear it, I'm going to keep reminding you. Not because I think you're dense, but because we can all get caught up in the day-to-day -day hustle and bustle of getting more business and easily lose sight of our profitability. It's an ongoing battle and we must stay diligent. That's why I never pass up an opportunity to interview experts who are obsessed as I am with building profitable businesses. So it will be no surprise why I have invited Brooke Lively to be a guest today. Brooke is a CFO and profitability strategist who helps business leaders of fast-growing companies gain the financial insight and strategies they need to turn their companies into profitable, thriving businesses so they can create the life they want without compromise. Let's join the conversation. Welcome to the show, Brooke. How are you doing today? I am awesome, Michael. How are you doing? I'm doing well. So you're calling down from uh, Texas, Fort Worth, Texas. I am. And that's awesome. Hot, hot this time of year. We're <sighs> recording this in the middle of the summer and it is very hot this year. El Nino, I heard. I, this is what I've, uh, yes. I don't know. It was 111 yesterday. You, holy goodness, great. I've, I haven't seen that kind of weather since I was in the Air Force stationed in uh, Saudi Arabia, and the average temp was 114. Oh. So, yes. And the flight suits were long sleeve for our protection. Like yeah. you, you wore a covering all over your body. It's pretty crazy. So, but. We are talking about profit today, and everybody who has ever listened to this, uh, at least two episodes of the show, know that I'm all about creating profitable businesses because none of us want to own a job, and none of us are here to be stuck in entrepreneurial poverty. And you wrote a book called Panic to Profit. Go ahead and show it there. Go ahead. She's actually like two versions, two one for versions. entrepreneurs and one for law firms specifically. Boom, boom, boom. Nice. Very good. Um, the, uh, both have quotes from Gina Wickman and one, uh, quote from, uh, Mike Michalowicz yep. and everybody on the, uh, the familiar with the show knows that we, we love Mike. Mike was just on the show actually just a couple weeks ago. So, um, awesome. So in good, uh, in good, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, company, company here. So, yes. So let's dive right in and let's talk about the book, the, the essence of the book, like what is this? If somebody read this book, what are they walking away with? So, you know, here's my thing. Most of us did not go into business because we loved running a business. We went into a business because we were passionate about something. You were passionate about marketing. I was passionate about initially helping law firms and running the business part is like kind of that thing that you're like, oh shit, I gotta do that. <laughs> right. And um, 
and it's it's not what most of us studied in school. I mean, I did, but it's not what most entrepreneurs study in school. So, (laughs) you know, it's the part of the business that that most people really have a lot of angst about and they're worried about. And it's where they feel, frankly, dumb and entrepreneurs aren't dumb. They're smart. They are the engine of our economy. And Mm -hmm. so I wrote this book to really help entrepreneurs kind of get their arms around their business and Mm -hmm. get an idea of what they should be looking at, uh, what numbers to look at, and how to be able to look kind of forward in their business so that they're not behind the eight ball all the time. Love it. I love that. And so I have to, I have to go back. You said you initially had a passion for helping law firms. How does one fall into passionate to become passionate about helping law firms? I I need to know this backstory here. Yeah. I'm weird. (laughs) Okay. We'll we'll start there. Um, I, I, I have a thing for attorneys. My father's an attorney. My brother's an attorney. Two of my uncles are attorneys. Um, I can't even count how many cousins. And I mean, every, almost every guy I've ever dated is an attorney. Even the guys I dated in high school grew up to be, get this, six foot one left-handed glasses wearing attorneys. (laughs) <laughs> but did you marry an attorney? No, I am 53 and unmarried. So if you are a left-handed glasses wearing <laughs> lawyer, give me a call. <laughs> so it was a family affair. Okay, I get it. Okay, awesome. Okay, so we have we have numbers. And I think that we talk about numbers. I mean, when we talk about the rule of 26, we talk about bringing our marketing down to three core numbers that move the revenue needle and, and staying away from vanity numbers. And I'm I know that's what... Your six figure is it, how many? It's six key numbers. We have, correct? We have six key numbers. And- six key numbers, which is twice as many as the rule twenty six goes. So I want to know what are these key numbers that a business owner should be paying attention to, and is probably not. So they're they're kind of six different areas of your business, and the first one is cash. I mean, we all know that cash is king, right? Mm-hmm. Your business cannot survive without cash. So the key number, or Sometimes it's not a number. Sometimes it's a report. The key thing we're looking at here is your cash flow forecast. Mm-hmm. How much cash are you going to have at the end of the week for the next six to eight weeks? Because, Michael, you know, cash does not come in. Our revenue does not come in in nice, even weekly amounts. Right? <laughs> right. We also know cash does not go out in nice, even weekly amounts. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the first and the third yeah. weeks are just stinking miserable because we have to pay rent and payroll in the first week. And then mm-hmm. we've got payroll again in the third week. And when do clients right. like to pay us? The fourth week. Never. <laughs> or never. Or never. <laughs> not our clients. Our clients generally have about a 95 to a 98% collection rate. So... Oh no, no, they pay it. You said like to oh, pay. Like to pay, yes. Like to pay. That was the, there was a key word in there. I was I was going on yeah. there. <laughs> so, so we want to look at that cash flow forecast. How much money are you going okay. to have in the next mm-hmm. every week for the next six to eight weeks? Nice. The second thing we want to look at is your production number. How much work is moving through your company? So you know, for you, 
how much marketing are you doing? How many services are you providing? Because mm -hmm. this month's service, this month's production is next month's billing and therefore revenue, mm -hmm. right? Because we're talking about service-based businesses here. Yep. So the number we want to look at, our key number here is work in progress. Mm -hmm. Because we know how much money we're going to have for the next six to eight weeks. So now let's start projecting our revenue. What's going to happen mm -hmm. next mm -hmm. month? And let's project it out when we can still impact it. There's nothing better than that point in the month when you're looking at your whip, when you're looking at your work in progress, and you know that your people have, have worked enough that when you bill, you're going to mm -hmm. cover all your expenses and anything they bill from that point to the end of the month is pure profit in your pocket. Nice. Yeah. Love it. Love it. I like that. Yeah. So Sweet. then you want to keep looking ahead because the further ahead you look, the more control mm -hmm. you have over your business. So now we want to start looking. This is kind of in your world, Michael. Marketing and sales. Mm -hmm. So I know how much mm -hmm. money I've got coming in this month. I know how much money I have coming in next month because we're looking at our whip. How much money mm -hmm. am I going to have the month after that? Well, to do that, I need to look at my sales calls booked. Mm -hmm. Right? Because sales mm -hmm. calls booked this month are going to be clients next month, which is going to be revenue the month after that. See how we're kind of mm -hmm. building it and looking further and further ahead. Exactly. Yeah. So we want to know how many sales calls are booked. And I know that you talk about all kinds of numbers that go into that and, and knowing, you know, just knowing how many sales calls are booked doesn't do you any good if you don't know things like your conversion rate and mm -hmm. all of that other rate. information that I know you know and I know you talk mm -hmm. about all the time. So I'm not going to talk about them because that's your wheelhouse. <laughs> and then, you know, so now we know, now we can kind of start to predict how much revenue we're going to have for the next, you know, two, three, maybe even four months. Mm -hmm. We can see it. Yeah. And that's awesome. So now we need to start looking at other parts of our business. Let's start looking at the capacity of our business. We've got these clients coming in. We've got this work coming in. Do we have the people to do it? Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Bandwidth is huge. Yeah. So many people... I don't know how many times I've talked to businesses who are like, yeah, we're, we're ready to double up, right? It's, it's in my book, right? It's like, oh, we want to do the rule of 26 thing where you, you double your revenue. I was like, okay, do you have the capacity to do double the, um, the output? Because a lot of people are still in the growth phase, which means for every dollar in or a dollar coming in means a dollar worth of work coming out mm -hmm. and not leveraging that. And so then they go, oh, well, no, we'll just hire along the way. I'm like, and how, what's your hiring cycle? Ah. Please do tell me, right? And then it's like, how much does it cost to, to hire people? And how what's your success rate past 90 days with new employees and all the other things that go. And how long does oh. it take? to get them trained and how long does it take until uh -huh. they are actually billable <laughs> and productive exactly. and 
know, how yeah, long unsupervised, you unsupervised profitability is. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have two stinking people doing one job. Exactly. Yeah. So we talk about net new engagements. So how many people are hiring you and how many mm -hmm. people are wrapping up their engagement? So are you bringing on four new clients a month and completing mm -hmm. projects for two clients a month on average? So you've got net new of two. Right. Okay, that's great. And we know that we can handle, I'm just totally making these numbers up. We know we can handle 30 clients at any given time there you go. because we know the average price of an engagement. We know the average length of an engagement. We know about how much pressure the average engagement puts on our staff. So we know that we can handle 30 engagements, 30 mm -hmm. clients, and we've got 26 right now. So if we're bringing on two at a time, net new mm -hmm. two per month, how many months until we're maxed out? Yeah. Two months. And yeah, two months. If, if, if you're, if you're, if you are turning or churning, um, zero, yeah, you would have two months. If you are getting four new clients and you're completing mm -hmm. two clients a month, if our net yeah, number is two, two, yep, you're two months, you're out. two months yep. out. So you've got two months to hire. So wouldn't mm -hmm. you like to know six months in advance that you need to hire? Yep. Yeah. Because then exactly. we have time to hire them, train them, mm -hmm. have them quit because they're a disaster and rehire. You know, right. to your point, what's that success rate? Exactly. Yeah. Because, I mean, you can hire people. Um, you can hire a bunch, of pe a bunch of people. And you know that for every three people you hire, you are most likely only going to see two of them past 90 days. Yeah. Just the way it is. And especially today. And even more especially due to uh, remote working. Like my company is 100% uh, remote, right? So are we. And we've had people get in and we've onboarded them. And then a day later, like, yeah, we got an I got another gig. It's not like they had to move anywhere. They just, they turn on the same computer. They just log into a different uh, interface, yeah. right? And it's just like, yeah. So I, I feel people don't feel that obligation to stick things out once because they're not having to report to an office and see people and all that good stuff. So it's kind of the telephone tough guy uh, mentality where it's just like, there's no connection to it. So I think that we're going to start seeing uh, employee churn even increase over the next few years as more and more companies or especially small businesses are adopting the remote uh, work environment because it's, very profitable for service-based businesses to be remote, you know, and take full advantage of uh, common or uh, co-working spaces like WeWork and Regis and and C suites and stuff like that because your overhead. I, I remember when I had a thirteen thousand square foot facility oh. downtown Anchorage, Alaska, twenty two employees, the whole nine yards, right? And yeah, you want to talk about cash flow crunches? How about the first of every single month, $14,000 going out for, for the uh, mortgage? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not fun. But so it isn't. if that's the environment you... we're going into, don't yeah. you want to know ahead of time when you're exactly. going to need people? Mm -hmm. And looking at your net new engagements enables you to do that. Right. So these, yeah. these are things that are all very forward looking. Mm-hmm. 
Then there are a couple that are more backwards looking. So those, those help you get back on track. Mm -hmm. The first one is the budget versus actual report. We don't like the B word. <laughs> Nobody likes the B word. I personally now live and die on my budget because oh. we do not deal with credit. And so <laughs> if we overspend, I, so something's not getting paid. Let's have a discussion about the B word. Yes. I don't think we should use the B word. I think we should all have a profit plan. There you go. Because who doesn't want to plan how they're going to spend money to make more money. Love that. A budget is that. limiting and it tells us what we can't do. And let's face it, mm. we are entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. We are doing this because, I mean, we started our business because we don't want anybody telling us what to do. So why on God's green earth do we want a limiting budget that tells us what we can't do? Mm. Let's have a profit plan that tells us what we can do, what we get to do, and all the right. fun we can have doing it. Now, Love it. Apparently, Intuit does not agree with me, and so I can't get the report <laughs> changed in QuickBooks. Right? <laughs> They're not listening. I don't know what their problem is. They do not see my wisdom. So in QuickBooks, it's still called the budget versus actual report. But it, you know, when you run this at the end of the month, it enables you to look and see, okay, this is what I planned and mm -hmm. this is what I did. Am I on track or off track? Am I over or under? Am I over for a good reason or a bad reason? And there are great right. reasons to be over. Like, I spent a whole lot more on office supplies because I was doing so many proposals for potential new clients and I got them all. <laughs> you know, we're super right. happy about that. Right. You know, there are also mm -hmm. reasons that were over that are bad. I, you know, I had a client one time that we could not figure out why the office supplies were so high until ultimately, um, fired the office manager. And I think they had no lie, like 10 years worth of office supplies in her closet. Oh my God. I, hoarder. That, that, firm will, <laughs> that company will never go through all the staples in the paper clips. <laughs> and now we're paperless. So probably I, never. Yeah, they, right? never, they will never, <laughs> never. So. Well, my, my horror story with the office supplies is the entertainment budget. I had an office manager who was taking the entertainment budget. She had her own cash card because we would do events and stuff at our at our office mm -hmm. and off offsite and stuff like that. And so she was the one responsible for getting the, you know, the drinks and the yeah. food and all the other stuff. And come to find out in between the events, she was also getting drinks and food for her own home oh. to the tune of about $20,000 over a two year period. Ooh, ouch. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's good to look at your numbers on a regular basis. Look at it. Am I over or under? Is that a good reason or a bad reason? Am I where I want to be? What adjustments do I need to make? What mm -hmm. adjustments do I need to make in 
in spending? What adjustments do I need to make in actions? Mm-hmm. What did I do last month that didn't go well? What did I do last month that went really well that I need to keep doing? Right. You know, it's not all a negative thing. It's it's a positive thing also. Mm-hmm. You know, what what activities do we want to continue doing? Mm-hmm. I love it. So, all right. So we've looked in the future. We've looked at the past. And when, and so what, what, when we are, you know, a lot of people, they look at the numbers, like I'll be honest, I think I got a C plus in uh, corporate finance in in college. It was my, the only, at least you took it. Yeah, I guess so. There you go. Um, My college didn't offer it by the way. Oh, it was a mandatory class. <laughs> I went to a business school, uh, Phoenix oh, University. Wow. Phoenix. It was it was required. Yeah. I I went yeah. to a liberal arts school. We didn't there even offer go. accounting. <laughs> and now you here. Yeah. You're a numbers person. I love and it. Here I so am. there you go. Creative numbers. You should have went into marketing and did uh, media buying because that's creative. Okay, too. there is no right answer <laughs> in marketing. In grad school, I took a marketing class. We did our first like case study. It was about right. the BMW Z3. I will never forget it. And so like <laughs> being the little, you know, brown noser I am sitting in, mm-hmm. I, I did not sit in the front row. I sat in the second row. Okay. So I'm in the second mm-hmm. row. <laughs> I raised my little hand. So what was the right answer? Right. And she was like, there is no right answer. That's not the point. <laughs> I'm like, screw you people. I'm going over to finance. There's a right answer in there. Yes, it's 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 interesting. Uh, we, we call it fuzzy math uh, in marketing. Um, it is, but it's so funny because it is so math driven, right? Mm-hmm. And just like in, in business, is the same way though too. You can look at a budget, and if you can look at it five different ways, and it can be right in five different ways. Yeah. You know, it's just a matter in the end, did the boss get to keep any money? Right. And that's yeah. the, that's the end of that right there. And at the end of the and- day, Michael, that's the sixth number we want to look at. So we talk about ideal ratios all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talk about things like the rule of thirds, one third going to um, one third of revenue going to payroll, one third going to mm-hmm. overhead and one third going to profit. We talk about, you know, how much you should spend on the ideal amount you should spend on marketing. I know you're a fan of Mike McCallowitz and he's got a mm-hmm. great grid in, in Profit First that I wholeheartedly agree with. I have a similar one in my book. But at the end of the day, the number we care about is mm-hmm. owner compensation. Right. And owner compensation comes from a few different places. Um, especially if your company is an S corp, you probably have a salary. Mm-hmm. So it's your salary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's the profit you take out. Your dividends. Yep. And the third place is, and we all do it. And there is absolutely no judgment. As long as you and your tax accountant are good with it, I couldn't care less. It's all those personal expenses you probably run through the firm or through your company, uh, right? Okay. I mean, that's your operational budget. <laughs> I, I don't care what you run through. It's all about you and your risk. Your ad, well, it, when we call when we talk about exiting, we call those ad backs, yes. right? 
Yes. Yes. Have yeah. we so, normalized yeah. your <laughs> earnings or not? Um, yeah. Yes, that's amazing. Yes. I think that it's really important for people to realize that, you know, there's one thing to own a lifestyle business where a lot of these personal expenses, if you were running it as a CEO for somebody else who was actually a founder, you wouldn't get away with. No. Right? Versus running your own business like a CEO that you don't own the business so that you're actually working on your business, not through your business. A lot of people talk about on, above, in. Let's talk about working through it, wow. right? And I, I, it's a concept that I've been playing with for, uh, recently, you know, is that am I part of my business or am I an owner of my business? And it is a lot of the same concepts, like working in your business, working on your business, working over your business, all that good stuff. But I feel like there, it's an analog uh, process where there's sometimes you're in it, sometimes you're on it, and sometimes you're, uh, what is it, the, the last one, out of it, uh, over it, right? Yeah. Right? And so, like, I'm going to be taking three weeks off to celebrate my 50th birthday mm-hmm. here in a few weeks. And um, I'm going to be out of the office for almost four weeks. And my goal is not to check in because there's another book, Mike Mike Kellett, so we probably both read, which was Clockwork, right. right? And we got to take our four months or four weeks off, right? I feel that that's an overtime. That I'm working over my business yeah. because my business is running without me, right? You know, and you know, so some people's goals is like, how many days can I go without being, you know, not at the office, which is over it, right? But then, how much can you work for your business over it? Right? How many months are you doing that? Right? Sabbaticals are a really good way of like going off and ideating yeah. and being a visionary. Right? Because you're talking to the visionary. Because if you're an integrator, oh my gosh, th- everything we're talking about, they're just like chomping the bit. Yes, I love all these numbers. Let's, let's dive more further in. Right? <laughs> but for visionaries, we're like, no, I want to come up with the next idea for my business. I want to come up with the next concept for my business. I want to come up with the next book, the next, uh, the marketing, you know, whatever the next product that we're going to give, the next way we're going to look at our services, who's the new, new vertical. These are all new things, right? Our integrators like, all right, we like new things, but they got to come in with the stuff they already have. Yeah. So, and they like the, they like the day to day and they want that security there. And they have a different entrepreneurial experience in the business than we do on or over the business, right? Yeah. So, if you were to take one of those, where where do you start? We'll, we'll wrap this up with, where does one start out of those six numbers that you have there? You describe, where does one start? And obviously buying the book would be a good start, but, but where does one start with themselves? You're going to start at cash. You're going to start at that cash flow forecast because really you're not going to survive if you don't understand your cash flow. You got to start there. Um, in the book, the second number I have is that owner compensation. Because if you are not being compensated for the time, the effort, and the risk you are putting in to owning this company, it's not worth it. Absolute gold here. Brooke gave you so many brilliant bombs. You owe it to yourself to go back and listen to this interview again. 
I promise you will get more from it than just listening once. And remember, if you're not paying yourself, there is no reason to keep going. The purpose of a business is to provide for its owner. So be sure you are doing what it takes to pay yourself first. If you found this interview helpful, please do me a favor and subscribe to the show so you don't miss another episode. I would also love to get your feedback on how the show is impacting you. So feel free to leave a review. My goal is to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty, and I can't do that if these conversations aren't getting heard. So please share with your friends as well. That's it for this episode. So until next time, stay buzzworthy.